This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another edition of the post-game show. No, do not adjust your dials. Yes, this show got 100% more handsome. Uh, it's both myself, <laughs> Michael Beck, and Cal Christ joining uh, Dave Schofield, uh, hanging out uh, in the post-game chat here with all of you. Steelers were successful. Uh, Kyle, I'll ask you first, how does it feel after that kind of messy end, but the Steelers are still victorious? How do you feel with this game? Oh, man. It's like, is this the most fired up you've ever been for a three and three team? I feel like we've, <laughs> I, I feel like we're in the playoffs now. You know, I'm like fired up about this win. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know what? Uh, watching it go through, there's there some good feelings there. But Dave, uh, what were your thoughts on uh, how the Steelers won this one? Oh, they were, it was a wonderful roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> I mean, 14 to nothing at halftime, your feet went great. And then all of a sudden, you're like, is it just weird they just run in the same spot every time and the Steelers can't stop it? It almost seemed like they were just trying to find Cam Hayward and saying, let's go the other way. Um, don't know if that's exactly it or not. I'd have to check the tape. But all I know is that I was just always in the back of my mind. I'm like, are the Steelers going to get that turnover that loses this game for them? Are they going to turn the ball over or something that loses the game for them? But no, they got the takeaway to win the game for them. It was nice to have that be, you know, to, to be on that side of it this time. It was fantastic. I'm, I don't care that it's after midnight here on the East coast. <laughs> While I'm the only East coaster willing to, to come on and do the late night with you West coast guys. <laughs> Let's do this. I'm excited. I'm pumped. 
<laughs> yeah, the, the heart rate's gonna it's gonna have to come down a, a couple levels to be able to sleep tonight. But uh <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that turnover, I thought when Ben Roethlisberger that challenge fumble, uh that ball going forward, I thought that might have been the play of the game. But after that mm. moment, the Steelers defense completely turned it around from an abysmal third quarter. For whatever reason, that negative play on offense flipped that switch and they played great again. So Kala, I'm I'm curious your thoughts after watching the defense struggle so much to just completely turn around after that play. What does that uh, what does that one mean to you? I mean, you know, it was it, it, I don't even think we had a we had a third down on defense in that third quarter. So it was just felt like nothing could go our way. But then, yeah, I mean, we gave up the field goal. But after that, I think it was two, three and outs. Uh, of course, yep. the field goal to tie it at the end. But OT was two great defensive stands. So I don't, you know, it's hard. It's it's almost like James Pierce played last week. It's like, can 80% of a game uh, or can one play make up for, you know, 80% or half of a game? And I think the answer has got to be, you know, yes, it, it, we won in the end. So we got this super chat here from Jeremy Smith. It ties in pretty well. He puts four ninety nine in the tip jar. He says Alex Collins will never cease to give me nightmares. Galvanizing win for us tonight, uh, Dave. Now, yeah, Collins had a one heck of a game. Did you see something? Were the Seahawks targeting one specific player? It seemed like they're going at one spot over and over. Yeah, I mean that's why I I put it out there. I'm like it's everything they were doing was running to the right. They that whole first drive of the second half, all they did was run to their right side, not outside. I mean, basically, I felt like it was going right at the right tackle. I, I don't know if you felt that or not, Michael. Um, also being an O line guy, I just felt like they were saying we found some we're going to run behind. We're not going to let TJ Watt, you know, track us down. Would rather go straight at him. And the the person they didn't want to go straight at was Cam Hayward. So it's just they they found some magic, and I mean, I've I, I've seen it before. Sometimes you can just get something that works and say we're just going to do it until they stop it. So they kind of didn't they did, they took the ball out of Geno Smith's hands and saying you don't have to win us this game. We're going to keep doing this, and and it got it got them all the way back in it. It got them back in and and all the way tied up um, on two different occasions. So I mean. The Seattle fought. They really did. I was really impressed with how they played in the second half. Um, it, it, of course, I was also disappointed with the Steelers and their lack of, of tackling. But at the same time, that was just – as much as it was that the Steelers didn't play as well in the second half, it was that the Seattle, the Seattle Seahawks really did come out and, and play well in that second half, which was almost a recipe for disaster for the Steelers. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I I do see a ton of uh, super chats in the comments here. We'll try to get to each and every one of those, of course, uh, on a polarizing game like uh, tonight's. But on Dave's uh, point there, it seemed like they were targeting uh, Isaiah Bugs or Henry Mondo, whoever that tackle was beside TJ Watt. They seemed to try to run at him and just try to take advantage of TJ Watt's aggressiveness coming upfield. That seemed to be the spot, that, that that bubble that they kind of adjusted for at halftime. And they found some success in, but with that, with TJ Watts running mate and uh, Monster nineteen puts four ninety nine in the chip jar. He says, "My boy Highsmith's finally uh, getting a sack lunch." Nom nom, uh, Kyle Alex Highsmith sack and a half. Uh, what did you think out of him and his efforts tonight? You know, I you know I, I'll admit I was you know thinking that fifty six has been kind of invisible for the past month, but uh, you know he was. I don't know if, if we finally got you know eight fifty six and ninety all together a whole full week of practice and that mattered, but it felt like 
the pass rush, you know, besides that third quarter where everything kind of just became invisible, we the pass rush was what we expected, the week one pass rush that we saw. Yeah, no, it uh, that was probably the, the best, as you said, that uh, we've seen out of that group since uh, week one. Melvin Ingram not really getting into the party, but uh, the other two uh, definitely more than made up for it. Uh, let's get to another super chat here from uh, Wilson Pava, who puts four ninety nine in the tip jar. Says good win despite awful third quarter and awful tackling. Press can punt the heck out of the ball a whole lot better than uh, Jordan Berry did uh, today. Of course, he had a, a punt blocked uh, for a touchdown in the Vikings uh, in the Vikings game. Uh, feeling you on the time, Dave. It's, uh, <laughs> definitely <laughs> Twelve thirty-four a.m. right now for anyone that's keeping track. <laughs> so, so just a, a general question for you on this one, then, Dave. Uh, the, the later games—is it harder to uh, to be a fan on the East Coast when the, when these games are going to overtime? Uh, there's work coming up on Monday morning. Uh, what, what's uh, what's that kind of like for uh, for a Western group here? Honestly, it's just it's it's worrying about how bad tomorrow's going to suck because. <laughs> Even if I wasn't here right now, I wouldn't be able to calm down to go to sleep before 3 a.m. So I might as well at least be here and then writing articles. I hope I can still function to get those done. Um, but I have a feeling even when it's all said and done, I'll go to lay down. I'm still not going to fall asleep because <laughs> but but it's the anticipation of that's what's going to happen. Like I grab and I'm sorry, those one o'clock games today were 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 clunkers i actually <laughs> fell asleep during those and i was happy to get the nap in so i'm ready to go i mean this i, I don't know I, I could just sit here and talk about a thousand different things from this game right now you, oh. you got to move out to the west coast there's nothing better than setting your alarm for 9 30 a.m checking your <laughs> fantasy lineup and then uh-huh. you're good to go you know <laughs> well I, I don't know you didn't you didn't get up and watch that i mean i'm sorry but the 9 30 a.m eastern time game was actually better than the than all the one o'clock games but anyway i i digress go ahead <laughs> yeah now getting back to this well I, I guess i should say i also been uh kind of uh struggling to sleep a little bit with my uh my team winning uh first game of the year over in montana flying mm-hmm. in so but yeah. this might be the second night in a row with uh with no sleep but uh getting into the steelers game itself and uh, Eric Askew uh, puts five dollars in the tip jar, brings up uh, the ref stunk. And while Jeff isn't here, I wish Nickelodeon was there to slime Boswell and TJ for their <laughs> infamous gap. Um, now the, the refs, uh, well, really, I, I guess we should point to Mike Tomlin first. He was not happy with uh, with the refs. Uh, he was hot on the field. Uh, he was hot in the press conference. Cal, I'll ask you first. Uh, do you like seeing Coach Tomlin so passionate about something? Uh, he's usually a guy that's pretty stoic. In this in this instant, he was fired up. Yeah, I wish I could have read lips because when you see him that fired, like when 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 we came into the press conference on Tuesday, one and three, he was smiles and couldn't be cooler. So when you see him fired up, you think it's uh, you think it's something important. Although you know, I'm not I'm never one to defend the refs. I think. You know, even if they didn't at the end there, even if they didn't say uh, the clock stopped at three seconds, I think Gino still got a spike, would have got the spike down before the clock hit zero. Okay. Now, Dave, with with this last player, were you happy with how, uh, with how it all played out? You mean in regulation? Of in course. regulation. Yeah, yeah because the last play of overtime, yeah, I'm, I'm still <laughs> flying high off that one. Yeah. Um, I'm just glad that... It's, it wasn't a talking point because it screwed up how things should have played out, exactly what Kyle was saying. You know, they they got the spike off with one second left, you know, maybe two, if they wouldn't have stopped the game. Um, 
but there was no reason to interject into the game there. And the reason I would be upset if I was Mike Tomlin is that play wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. There was nothing to review. And it's almost like the, like they got buzzed in to stop the clock for the Seahawks just in case. That's what I would have the problem with. Now, the Seahawks got, I mean, they, they did a really good job of getting over there and spiking the ball. So I'm glad that it didn't, I wouldn't have honestly, although, you know, a win is a win, I wouldn't have felt as good with the steel if the Steelers would have ended up winning the game on something that completely was screwed up by with the officials um, in, in that aspect. So if, if you know what I'm saying, so I, I feel like they were, it was, it was done wrong, but it still ended up with the same result. I think the worst missed call might've been when TJ got that kind of, uh, was like a personal foul. You know, he got he got mm-hmm. helmeted. He got a head first hit, and they and they didn't miss and they missed that. That led to uh, them tying it up. Then, or, you know, so I think that's the bigger missed call. Now, thankfully, the Steelers won this game. If they had lost this game, that final sequence in the regulation would be picked on, uh, especially because there's a bye week for the next two weeks straight. So, uh, thankfully, I think we dodged a bullet with that one. Uh, getting back to the super chats here, Wilson Pava puts uh, four ninety nine in the tip jar. Uh, he's, he he said, "Here's my tip for the defensive half. Unlike Dave, I'm dead, and I have to teach at uh, seven a.m. Keep up the great work, BTSC. <laughs> Y'all truly do great work. Thank you for that, Wilson. It's uh, much appreciated, and uh, I know we love doing this uh, for all of you. Now, uh, Snowman also puts uh, five bucks in the tip jar. He says, "I have my heart transplant scheduled for tomorrow." Wow, can't take many more games like those. I don't know if you're being serious, uh, but uh, Snowman, Snowman said that. If you're actually having a heart transplant, then uh, our prayers are with you. Um, Wow. If if, if that was just from the game, uh, I I can feel you to a degree. But uh, yeah, no, let's uh, throw another comment. Just to, I I think we'll all be thinking about you. So uh, let us know your status on that one. But uh, wow. Um, so Kyle, just getting the game itself here, uh, of course, TJ Watt, I don't know if we quite talked about him enough. His stat line features seven tackles, three TFLs, two sacks, at least one fumble, maybe two. It's, I, I don't know how that's going to get listed. Uh, a few batted passes. Uh, was this kind of the defensive player coming out party of the year for TJ Watt? Cause this was a ridiculous game in prime time. Certainly this season, you know, we've been waiting for a game like this. I think that uh, we, we, I hate to say this is kind of the expected performance, you know, week in and week out from someone like TJ. But I, you know, the last couple of weeks he's been, you know, he had a two sack game or whatever last week. It might have been the two weakest sacks ever. But, uh, I, you know, this is kind of what we expect week in and week out. And it's just been close. It's been close. You know, last week I think he was coming, you know, I, I don't know. You know, you know these things more than me, but it, it felt like he was taking a wider route maybe last week. Uh, or or not, but obviously he got there this week. <laughs> yeah, no, he got home. So, Dave, I guess my question to you is, is uh, TJ Watt underpaid, uh, or uh, are we getting the value out of his contract? <laughs> um, let's just say this. TJ Watt had a great game. Would we be saying he had as much of a great game if, let's say, Seattle misses that kick to set it to overtime? Because what made TJ Watt – I mean, he had a great game – anyway but when you step up and do what you did in overtime that that just sent it through the roof and that's the key when you need a play when you need one play from somebody and he's coming up and making those plays um that's i mean 
Steelers Nation knows what they're getting from TJ Watt. What is he at? Eight sacks now in the year, I think. That is a great question. Yeah, as Dave looks that up, uh, I'll pull up this super chat from uh, Gabriel Golden, who puts $5 in the tip jar. Uh, They say, just got back to my hotel room from the game. I blame overtime on whoever decided to wait to play Renegade till the start of overtime. (laughs) Big mistake. (laughs) Hey, you know what? uh, It seemed like over – Kyle, I'll throw this to you while Dave's looking up the stat. Now, it seemed like overtime – excuse me, Renegade has not been working uh, throughout the early part of the season. Now two weeks in a row, the Steelers going to come up clutch. Are, are you uh, still on board with the, the Steelers' famous fight song? Yeah, I'm. I'm all on. I'm all aboard. Renegade. We saw it last week. It, it should have been for the drive that led to the field goal tie tonight. But you know, hey, maybe the you know the people in the booth know more than we do. We, they knew we needed an OT Renegade. But I think anyone who was you know they were wondering during the Bengal game, during the Raiders game, if if Renegade was time to put the pass, but. Uh, uh, you know, hey, sticks forever. Yeah, there you go, sticks forever. Now, <laughs> Dave, do, do we know how many uh, sacks TJ has now? Um, according to Pro Football Reference, he had five coming into the game, and okay. according to the Steelers' official media guide, um, he had two today. So, I see that's what I wasn't sure of. I, I never went back to see if the if the strip of Geno Smith, if he had crossed the line of scrimmage or not, if that would go down as a second sack. So it was behind the line of scrimmage. Because, you know, at the time, I'm just excited. I don't care. Oh, you yeah. know, the Steelers have the ball. I didn't care if it was going to go down as a sack. But um, he is uh, officially had, I assume this is official, um, two sacks on the game. So that would put him at seven for the season. Seven, and really he missed a, a game and a half a uh, and with half. that uh, groin injury too. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I, I'm not sure if that's quite the NFL lead, but I think it puts him number two. Uh, so Eric Askew puts uh, $5 in the tip jar here and throws this question to Kyle. Uh, what Yin's talking about <laughs> question. Uh, he asks, uh, what's Ben's zip percentage this week? I know you guys are focusing a lot on that on that during last week's cast. Uh, can you can you tell the people uh, what the zip is? Or did they well, have to I- that show? I, well, you know, you can always listen every Friday uh, to what Ian's talking about. But I think, you know, there was we had some legitimate conversation about does Ben still have the zip that, it, you know, that it takes to make some of those throws. And last week, I thought there were a couple of, you know, near near picks where, it, you know, it was a question of, you know, he just barely got it in there. Then I think we saw the, the TD pass to Claypool. And, and I think the, the consensus we had was that Ben still has the arm. You know, tonight... We didn't get to see a ton of passes beyond ten yards. Big surprise, but um, you know, so, so I don't know if the, you know he had some touch. I think tonight. I don't know if uh, there was a lot of zip on display, though. Yeah, there were times Ben was dealing. Now I'll throw this up from uh, Joel Campbell. Uh, puts two dollars in the tip jar uh, in reference to TJ Watt. I believe saying superstars doing superstar things. Uh, with that, Dave, uh, not talking about superstars necessarily, but uh, a superstar seventh round pick for the Steelers. Trey Norwood had one heck of a game, especially on third down. He was flying around the field. Dave, I'm curious to what your thoughts are on the Steelers' uh, seventh rounder and uh, what he's been able to do in such an early amount of time since being a seventh round draft pick. Yeah, he he made he made big plays in in the moments when they needed him. Most, I mean, was it? I'm thinking of three more than any others. I think there's um, three, yeah. And it was, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was two in the first half and one in the second. Um, if if I have that, if I remember correctly at this time of night. But yeah, he he really did a nice job. You know, he just had, he had the three tackles, uh, one for loss and a pass defense. That was, and, and you're like, oh, well, it's not like he had numbers that blew off the, the page, but 
he made i mean that that stop of dk medcalf was that the opening drive or the second drive whichever one that was i mean that that was huge to force a punt right in that moment so it, when you see his number on the field it's for good things happening and that's what you want to want to see with somebody in a secondary you're not seeing his number um you're you're seeing his number a lot of times without the nameplate if you know what i mean because he's not running behind someone where you see his back trying to catch up um and just made some really nice plays tonight I mean, yeah, he was, was was he the best tackler tonight? Uh, you know, maybe I don't know. Well, well, him or Cam Hayward, probably. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah, he had some. He, that's a good point, but because we wouldn't have thought of that at the time, because they weren't struggling with their tackling on the first couple that that he made. It wasn't until the second half that that really reared its ugly head. Yeah, no, it's it certainly did. Uh, Kyle, sticking with the the defensive backs here, Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, teams are specifically quarterbacks are looking where he is on the field and deciding we're not throwing the ball in that direction at all this year. Uh, but he's kind of been a heat seeking missile. It, it seems like getting uh, getting into uh, off, offensive players' uh, legs and and their uh, their midsection, layering the laying the boom a little bit. Uh, what do you think of uh, Minka in this kind of role, which uh, where teams are just completely avoiding him with the football, but he's still he's still making some decent plays. Yeah, you know, I don't know if some of that is because we don't really have a, a, a nickel, a pure nickel, that so he has to come up in some of that run defense. But it seems like he, he's he been thriving in run D. You know, that's where we're seeing him at least. And we're not seeing him uh, so much on the back end. Um, and, I, you know, and, and is that because he's being asked to do different things? That's, that's something I'm not exactly sure of, but it seems like, he's been thriving more in the run game than necessarily in the, in the past. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly what I'm seeing too. Now, Dave, when it comes to the rest of the guys of the secondary, uh, Trell Edmonds had, had a couple plays, but he also got got a couple times. Uh, Arthur Mollette made a couple decent plays in the backfield. Uh, Hayden and uh, Sutton weren't tested too much, but uh, just what do you think of, about the, the other guys uh, outside of uh, Minka and uh, Norwood uh, along this defensive backfield? Uh, let's just say this. It wasn't like it was a huge passing effort for the Seahawks, if you know what I mean. I mean, Geno Smith. I'm I'm trying to 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 bring it up for the for the game. I, I'm sorry, I got our, I I was looking at things individually. I mean, did it did it feel like he threw the ball 32 times? No. <laughs> I mean, it didn't feel like he threw the ball 32 times. But Geno Smith threw the ball. He had he was 23 of 32 for 209 yards. What really got Seattle going was that run game. So it's not like the secondary stood out in a huge way, good or bad. I mean, because especially we're, we're thinking of, you know, what's fresh in our mind over time, the second half. I mean, that first half, the Steelers defense was just just dominant. I mean, that's just what they did. So the secondary, they, they were more of a um, – didn't didn't make news for the wrong reasons, but also didn't necessarily stand out for the right ones either, just because of the way the game was playing out. Yeah, right. We didn't hear sense? we we didn't see Cam Sutton at all. Like you know, he was pretty quiet. Uh, Joe Hayden, I really only noticed when he was missing tackles. Unfortunately, um, I, I saw Pierre just a little bit at the end. You know, I think Justin Lane might have had more on the stat line than Pierre. I don't know. Hey, Pierre made a great play on that uh, that final regulation snap, uh, punching the ball out from DK. He I got a forced fumble. <laughs> back-to-back plays, I think it was, with, yeah. with uh, the ball going on the turf and shadow recovering on that uh, final drive. So the Steelers had tons of opportunities to end this game. 
the, the second half of the show, I think we'll focus a little bit more on the offensive side, but the, the front seven of the defense uh, needs a, l- a little bit of coverage here to uh, uh, Kyle, I'll ask you this first. What, what do you think on Devin Bush? Cause I know a lot of uh, Steelers Twitter and I'm sure you're going to get into it a ton on uh, your social media theme show. Uh, they're kind of jumping down the, the throat of Devin Bush as someone kind of avoiding contact. Uh, the, the team's kind of uh, trying to take advantage of him. He's not that playmaker you expect from a top 10 pick. So what do you think of Devin Bush in general? And is uh, media the social media, are, are they right? Are, are, they, are they saying the right things about him or are they completely off kilter? Well, you know, on social media, everyone is a hater. You know, it's like there's no in-between. There's no nuance. There's no, you know, context. I, you know, but... He's he's certainly not uh, he's certainly not Vince Williams in the in the run game. He's certainly not hitting the holes like we like we've seen from uh, you know inside linebackers. His of course he's you know side to side. Uh, no one's quicker, but it seems like his gap work isn't ideal as we saw in the third quarter as they ran all over. I, you know I don't know if he's getting blocked out of plays, over pursuing, or just not attacking his assignments. But he's not. I mean, before he came up with that play in overtime, uh, I, you know, I would have said it was a bust game for him. Yeah, no, uh, it definitely wasn't the best uh, that we've seen of him. I think he's still nursing some injuries and uh, definitely trying to get back from that ACL and, and groin injury that he st- suffered this year. But Dave, uh, I, I'm curious your thoughts on him and also uh, Joe Schobert, that, uh, the, the starting pairing. Well, let's just say this. Uh, Devin Bush did not look like he did last week before he got it, went out with injury because that was by far his best game of the season. And part of it, you know, it, it was might have also been what the Steelers were trying to do. But notice on third down, they were taking both of those guys off the field. They were running that special package out there with the three outside linebackers and their only inside linebacker was Spillane. So there was a lot of interesting stuff they're still trying to figure out. I know some people are really down on on Schobert. Uh, I know a lot of people were, were frustrated with Bush tonight. I'm really, honestly, I focus so much on the D-line and the outside linebackers on, on defense with everything. I have to go back and watch again when I to, to look at those second-level guys. So um, let's just say this. They didn't stand out in, in, in a good way, and there were times I was like, come on, guys, make a tackle. Yeah, totally fair. Now, now, Kyle, one of the things that was also pretty noticeable, even if you weren't watching that uh, position group specifically, Robert Splane played a ton. Are you cool with seeing Splane, especially seemingly in those third down type uh, situations? Do you like him on the field in those spots? You know, at first glance, that's kind of like a high anxiety thing because I'm like, okay, well, I know Spillane can hit the gap and stop the run, but he's always kind of been maybe a little bit more liability and coverage. But I think what we're seeing is that he's holding his own out there. I don't see him getting, uh, you know, I don't see him getting, at least tonight, like you said, this wasn't a, this wasn't Aaron Rodgers out there. This wasn't even Derek Carr. Uh, so I think he held his own tonight. It seems like that is the, the, the plan and the strategy. They like him in that role there. So it doesn't necessarily fit what makes sense to me, but they're sticking with it. Um, I was going to say, if I could jump in one more thing, you know, just to throw out some of the stats, is that, you know, Devin Bush had six tackles. Um, Joe Schobert was credited for two, and uh, as was Spillane. But 
other than the Bush fumble recovery, which I was scared to death that he was pulling, you know, the, the peewee football play and he was going to start running the wrong direction until I'm like, turn around. And you know, which, which, which you did. Um, I, I just, that crazy flashbacks with that one, but none of the three inside linebackers had any other, you know, defensive stats than just the tackles and the one fumble recovery, you know, no tackles for loss, no passes, defense, no quarterback hits, you know, things of that, no forced fumbles, things like that. That's the biggest thing that you weren't getting from that position group. And they didn't yeah. seem to blitz them a lot though tonight. I mean, I'd have to go back and look secondhand, yeah. but I don't feel like there was a lot of blitz from the, the inside linebackers. To be fair, Devin Bush and I'd say Joe Schubert aren't exactly blitzing linebackers. I think that's possibly why you see Spillane more on the field in third down because he's more of that uh, uh, lay-in-the-wood kind of guy and just uh, trying to get in that mix. I, I think that's qu- probably the possibility. And another reason why you see that extra edge, edge rusher on the field um, when uh, Ingram checks in, just to get more of a, a blitzing-type body, someone that uh, does a little bit better. So I think that's probably why we don't exactly see them blitzing too much. But uh, another big name that I think we need to talk about, and I'll, I'll ask Dave uh, this one first, uh, Cam Hayward. He had himself another very <laughs> good game. Um, he has been playing out of his mind this year. He looks like he's dialed the clocks back. Uh, it, it seems like he hasn't aged at all. Uh, it had a sack. Uh, he, I think he had like six solo tackles or something. It, it was pretty ridiculous game. If you want the numbers, he had yeah, he had six solo tackles, nine tackles total, um, a, a sack for an eight yard loss, um, two tackles for loss, one quarterback. Well, that was the sack the quarterback hit, I guess. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. He, he's not the highest ranked defensive player through five weeks according to Pro Football Focus for nothing. Cam mm-hmm. Hayward. Is the man he is? Yeah. That's just he's he's driving what teams have to do. You can't just worry about TJ Watt. It's all it's Watt Hayward. You 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 can't even look at one even more than more than the other. And of course, everyone wants to say, "Oh, well, you you gotta you gotta chip TJ Watt, or he's going to get that sack." You know, like the announcers were saying tonight. But my thing is, is like. Every play that Cam Hayward's out there, you've got to send. If you only leave him with one guy blocking him, you're going to lose. Yeah, I, I, I think Chris Collinsworth said it at least twice uh, how Cam was basically uh, have, holding one arm on the blocker and then making the tackle with the other. So he's out there playing one-handed, really, you know? Yeah, yeah Hayward is freaky strong. Now, the one of the things I want to ask you, Dave, on this, I, I know Collinsworth called him a surefire Hall of Famer. That, that might be a, a little coming on strong right now. Uh, maybe, maybe if he can do this for a couple more years, it, I, I wouldn't be surprised. He, he certainly has a, a lot of those things that you look for in a guy like that. But is he playing the best year of his career right now? It feels that way. I mean, I don't know if I could throw that out there, you know, back that up statistically or anything else. Um, but it, it sure feels that way. I mean, it's just teams when they go to prepare for the Steelers, they see so much more than what, than just what a casual NFL fan would see from Cam Hayward, you know, just looking at, oh yeah, that's, that's that guy there that they have to have four, four helmets from the other team all surrounding him to make sure he doesn't do anything. Um, that, 
yeah, he through throughout the league, Cam Hayward is getting even more respect now. And yeah, that's why I said I wanted to call him Glenn McKenna, you know, because you know the 30-year Glenn McKenna is good, but the 35-year Glenn McKenna is even better. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's Cam Hayward. He is just uh, uh Brian Anthony Davis was saying was saying this as well, that he just is you know, getting better with age, it, it's it seems like it's just unreal. I can't believe it. Well, was he that was talking, how your, Oh, I was just gonna say. I think before the season, mm-hmm. he was talking about how he was gonna try to take some snaps off this season, and <laughs> I think if anything, yeah, he's yeah. he's doing the opposite. And uh, I was just gonna and ask yes. Dave. It's a it's a how, how I, I met your mother reference. reference. <laughs> 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 oh yeah. goodness, great! I think that's from the the second last season during uh during the wedding stuff. Yeah, uh, you were you were exactly you were right. Strong. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Now, before we get to our our little break here, and I should throw this up. Master Pete puts a dollar ninety nine in the tip jar. Doesn't leave a comment. So if uh, if you do, we'll, we'll try to get to your uh, comment read there, Master P. But Kyle, um, Stefan Tuitt hasn't come back yet, but he's been practicing. Uh, I, I'm well, very working out. Working he's not out. allowed to practice. Excuse me. Yeah. yeah, no, that's 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 a much better uh, terminology here, um, Kyle. When he is available, playing next to Cam Hayward, uh, like how he has been, what is what is the limit for this front seven? I mean, I, I, you know, who it's who are you going to block? That's the question. You're going to have to pick who are you going to you know are you going to block TJ? Are you going to block Cam? Uh, and you know, now Highsmith is turning on. It seems like uh, you know, it's it seems like it's the ch- a championship caliber defense when it's all together. Now, are we, are we, the question is, is it ever going to be all together? I don't think that there's been any kind of clue that to it is anywhere closer to the field, you know, than Tyson, you know, as far as we know. Um, and I don't know. It just seems like they're being very, uh, it, intentionally, uh, uh, confusing maybe or, or, or elusive about his status. So thank, thankfully, we are heading into the bye week, so perhaps a little bit more extra time for uh, Stefan to uh, perhaps see the field. I know Coach Tomlin did specifically mention injured players. Uh, oh, there's for Master P. Two yeah. coming back will be a huge help. I uh, know I couldn't agree more on that. Um, if uh, see, if he does come back, sorry, go ahead, Dave. I was going to say just just because I, I wanted to say something about the whole Stefan Tua thing. It's I, the the only thing, and I I, I don't want to be like oh going to rain on everyone's parade, got to find a, going to complain about a, a great player coming back. And I'm not, so don't take it that way. But when Stefan Tua comes back, they might ask Cam Hayward to do different things. So you might not be seeing the same, you know, numbers or things like that from Cam Hayward. It doesn't mean that he's any less of a player. He just might not be asked to do the same thing, but if they can bring Stefan to it back and have Cam, Cam Hayward still doing the stuff he does would be great. But I don't really care as long as the you know, and th- and that's the thing with Cam. That's what makes him such a good defensive captain is that he doesn't have to have the sack numbers. He doesn't have to have great numbers. He just has to do what he'll do whatever he has to do to have that defense putting the Steelers in position to win games. And that's what he's done for a number of years. Last year, he didn't have the crazy stats. Uh, he didn't have those double-digit sacks that he, he has in years prior. He does what is asked of him. But uh, we are 30 minutes uh, through our show here. So we're going to flip over to the second half and uh, focus a little bit more on the offense because obviously there's a, a lot uh, going on on that side of the football too. So if you're watching on YouTube and Facebook, just hang tight. If you're listening on a podcast platform, whatever that one may be, click over to part two right now. 